Welcome to the Gebhard Baron podcast, the podcast where curiosity has no limits. The podcast that brings you captivating stories and thought-provoking discussions. I'm Gebhard Baron. Stay with me as we break open the Word of God for your life. Hey guys, I'm Gebhard Barent, and today I want to go on to segment number two to speak to you about the importance of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, first and foremost, we have to understand that he that knew no sin became sin so that you and I can become the righteousness of God. The gospel is all about he became and we become. And when Jesus Christ entered the heavenly tabernacle, he did so once and for all to offer up his own blood. Never again will any other blood be needed. The Father is fully satisfied with the blood of Jesus. In heaven there is an altar, and in heaven there is a tabernacle. And on that altar lies the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father, at the right hand of power, and He is seated, signifying His rulership, dominion, and kingship over both heaven and earth. As the scripture declares that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me and so we see that all things has been and will be placed under his full control jesus christ is truly the son of the living god he is the way he is the truth and he is the life no one can come to the father except through jesus no one can come to jesus except through the holy spirit the trinity is in perfect unity but for you to have a deeper understanding about the blood of Jesus, I want to tell you the story of Jesus so that you can get insight of his blood. And so at the age of 30, he arrives onto the scene to be baptized by his cousin John. John at first do not want to baptize him because he understands that Jesus is greater. But Jesus says to him, according to the prophets, baptize me now so that it is fulfilled according to all matters of righteousness. In other words, Let's not break the word. Let's keep with the word and baptize me. As soon as Jesus gets baptized and comes out of the water, the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord descends immediately. And a voice speaks and says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Then after that, the Spirit of the Lord starts to lead Jesus into the wilderness where he is tempted by the devil and he overcomes and he comes out of the desert with power. He starts his, his ministry in obedience to the Father and the scripture says he does nothing nor says anything unless he sees or does the Father do. And so Jesus lives out a life of three and a half years in total obedience to the Father, showing us, demonstrating to us how to get heaven upon the earth. Because the scripture declares that it's our task to get heaven here. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done, as it is in heaven, let it be so on earth. This is the task of the believer. And ultimately, Jesus' life of the miraculous and being led by the, by the Father and by the Spirit leads him to the Garden of Gethsemane. The word geth means press, the word shamen is the word oil. Put together, it means the Garden of Oil or the wine press or the olive oil press. Or you can say the place where Jesus got crushed. In that garden, he starts to cry out and he says, Father, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus is feeling the weight of what is to come upon him. The Bible describes it that he was in agony, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. This word agony is the Greek word agonizo, and it means a man that is lying on his face, stretching himself out, crying, weeping, wailing. This is not a pretty picture. This is a picture of a man that understands what is about to happen to him. 
And during this time, Jesus experienced so much pressure that his, bo- that his body goes through a literal, literal medical experience called hematidrosis. And while he's having hematidrosis, or like your Bible says, great drops of blood, he cries out again, Father, not my will, yours be done. The Bible says he requested of his disciples to pray with him, but they could not. Their eyes were heavy because the spirit is always willing, yet the flesh is weak. But nevertheless, the father sent him an angel to strengthen him and to empower him. And being strengthened, that would strength is the Greek word echis, and it means to put power on the inside. When he, was, when he was empowered by the spirit of God or by the angel of God, he was ready to proceed to the cross. Then the Bible tells us in the book of John that after he prayed, he knew his betrayer was at hand. His betrayer that night, Judas, didn't just come of any group of people. He came of 300 to 600 of the Roman cohort, the best of the best. These people were trained at the Tower of Antonia and they were people that literally were experts in killing and in death. These were men of war. And like I would always like to say, these were the SWAT team of the day. Not only did Judas bring a Roman cohort with him, he also brought the officers of the Pharisees. Who were the officers of the Pharisees? These were the people that would walk people to the death row. These were the people that would have walked people to a cross or to the place of scourging. These were terrifying, fearful, strong men. Yet Jesus Christ says, quite frankly, walking out in front, who are you looking for? They say, Jesus of Nazareth. He says, I am He. Here at Gebhard Barent Ministries, we aspire to teach and to educate you with the Word of God. Receive a devotional straight to your mailbox from me every Monday morning. The perfect way to start your week in the presence of God. Sign up at gebartbaron.com forward slash weekly and hear what God is saying to you for your week ahead. With that being said, let's jump back straight back into the podcast and further our discussion. The word I am here is the Greek word ego amy, and it's the same word that is used when Moses asked God, who should I say, send me? And he said, tell them, I am sent you. The I am means the following. I am the Elohim. I am the Yahweh. I am Jehovah. I am the covenant keeping God. I am the protector. Jesus was making known who he was. When he says these words, I am, so much power leaves him. Such a blast of power leaves him that the Bible says that the soldiers that stood in front of him staggered backwards and fell to the ground. They were hit with an unseen force, a force of the Spirit of the Lord. But furthermore, the Bible says that Jesus, and the reason why I mention this, by the way, is I want to clearly paint for you the picture that Jesus was not taken. Jesus gave himself. This is important for you to understand because nowhere in the story of the Lord is Satan anywhere in control. It's Jesus leading the charge. He gets led away to, in, to get in front of Annas and Caiaphas. Here his beard gets stripped from him and basically he gets slapped into the face. The word slap here means to slap of a sting. And here 120 demonically filled priests slap Jesus in the face. Understanding the limitations of their authority, they send Jesus now away, being beaten by 120 demonically inspired, angry men. They sent him to Pontius Pilate. 
While he stands in Pontius Pilate, his wife has a dream and his wife says to him, Have nothing to do with this man because I suffer a lot in a dream because of him. But Pontius Pilate do not want to listen because he is more afraid about his reputation and what Caesar might say and his job than to save the Son of God. And therefore he hands Jesus over to the Praetorium, which is about a hundred or about a thousand, about a thousand soldiers strong. In the Praetorium they strip him down, they dress him with a purple, with a purple um, gown or purple robe, and they put a crown of thorns upon his head. Whilst they put a crown of thorns upon his head, they beat him with a reed. Why did they put the crown of thorns upon his head? Well, it's very easily understood. God the Father cursed the ground. Jesus takes the cursed ground and he places it upon his head. What does this mean? It means Jesus now becomes the curse. You see, cursed is every man that hangs upon the tree. This is very important for us to understand because Jesus was and he became the curse. As I've just mentioned, Jesus becomes the curse. You see, the Bible records that cursed is any man that hangs upon a tree. But Jesus lifts the curse and he places it upon his own head. But this is not the only thing that he did. Jesus did even more than this. The Bible records for us that his feet were pierced. And as his feet were pierced, blood came out of his feet. Why did his feet, why was his feet pierced? So that you and I do not need to walk anymore in ways of unrighteousness, but walk in the righteousness of our God. Furthermore, we also note that Jesus' hands were pierced. Why was his hands pierced? Well, the first Adam went to a living tree and he died spiritually. The second Adam was a spiritual man that went to a dead tree and made us all live spiritually or all that believe in him. The first Adam's hand took from the tree that he may not have taken from. The last Adam's hand was pierced to the tree. And so God is reconciling us all the way as the blood gets spilled for our sins. What is even more than this, the Bible says his back was striped. And the Bible clearly indicates to us, by his stripes we are healed. Of every stripe that fell on his back, Jesus Christ was proclaiming healing by his blood. Furthermore, his side was pierced. Why was his side pierced? Because Adam, the first Adam, he was put to sleep when Eve was taken out of his rib. And so Jesus gets pierced on the side because he's paying the full demanded price. You have to understand, as the master bled and as Jesus Christ was paying the full demanded price, our salvation was bought by the blood. You see, by the blood of Jesus, you and I have become sons and daughters of the living God once again. Jesus was the one that paid the full price. Never again does any man need to pay the full price. You and I have to believe in this Jesus Christ whom was sent on our behalf. Jesus Christ is our Lord. He is our Savior and He is our Redeemer because He paid the full demanded price. He didn't just pay the full demanded price. He destroyed the power of both death, hell and the grave. 
and therefore the Christian has got nothing to fear, but we have to have confidence in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our confidence and our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ makes us co-heirs of Christ Jesus. And maybe as a last thought for you today to understand that when Jesus Christ cried on that cross, it is finished. Tetelestai, he was saying four things. One, the full demanded price was paid. Two, no other man need to pay this price ever again. Three, the transaction has been made. And four, peace between heaven and earth has been restored. Now through Jesus Christ, we have peace with the Father as the Bible very clearly indicates to us. And it says this, And having made peace, Colossians 1.20, And having made peace through the blood of His cross, by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself, by Him I say, whether they be things on earth or things in heaven, and you, that you were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by your wicked works, now you have been reconciled. You see, you and I have the privilege of being reconciled by the blood. And all we can do now is to say, Jesus, thank you for the blood, because no longer loss, but free, because of the blood of Jesus Christ. If you've enjoyed today's episode, we encourage you to share it with your friends, your family and colleagues. Help us to spread the word and invite others to join us on this quest for knowledge and heaven's inspiration. As always, remember to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. And until we meet again, keep learning and pushing forward into the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ.